Blog Talk Radio. podcast featuring Elvira Love and Phoenix LaFay, two out-of-the-room-closet professional witches with over 70 years' combined experience of making magic. This is a show on the LMC Radio Network. During each show, Elvira and Phoenix will help you create rituals, make spells, make potions, and much more besides. They'll spend time speaking about different goddesses from all over the world, paying attention to the ancient reverence of long-ago cultures and infusing it with a modern perspective. Elvira, Phoenix, take it away. And we take it. We've taken it. Now we've got it. <laughs> At least yeah. we haven't washed away yet. No, I'm really over the rain, though, and I feel like a total jerk saying things like that, but, you know, there's no here, it doesn't even rain that much, but I'm like, murk, murk. I'm over it. Well, you know, it's like they're, te- I just read something, you know, on in one of the news feeds, and it's talking about, you know, 50 degree weather coming to, you know, California, and, and we're, I'm looking at this laughing going, yeah, California is such a wishy state when it comes to this. I mean, we really are. You think about Oregon, you think about Washington, they're northern of us, and yet we freak out when it's, you know, getting there. And I understand. I don't like the, the frozen wasteland, even though I'm going to be going to a place that definitely has had at least one day of snow that I know of. my daughter told me yesterday. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, it's just like I was going to – go to work today at Milk and Honey on an extra day of reading, and I'm sitting there going, oh, it won't be raining. I can walk after I park my car, and as soon as I park my car, it started to rain, and I'm sitting there going, and I have to walk with, you know, a couple of bags and an umbrella. It's like, yeah, great. So get your get your meaning. I do get your meaning. Yeah, I'm over it. So, yeah, yeah. So, so other than that exciting meteorological uh, update. Mm-hmm. What's going on with you? Uh, it's all PMCCon all the time. Um, my my brain is swimming in logistics and financial obligations and preparing product and packing vehicles and dog sitters and blah, blah. It's just so much. And it, 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 it's like I don't know. It'll all fall together and it'll all be fine, but I feel, I'm in a panic. Like, ah, I don't, it's tomorrow. It's not. It's not. I don't have to leave till Thursday. And everything is resolved and settled, and I know what I'm doing. It's just the car's not packed. <laughs> I'm just feeling the, the impending weight of having to pack and lug and unpack and, you know, all that. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah, it's going to be so much fun. I'm just, um, right now I'm feeling the overwhelm. And then on Monday at Milk and Honey, we have a workshop with Tempest, who um, has a book that just came out called Weave the Liminal. It's a really great new book about witchcraft, and she's doing a workshop on that subject matter in her new book. So I'm really excited about that, but that's almost like I keep forgetting that's happening because I'm so focused on Pantheacon. <laughs> right, right. Well, it's very, you know, whenever we did fairs, whenever we did things that were uh, out of our norm, you know, process, 
it was always a big deal. And we had at the time um, a booth that was a two-story castle that was out of plywood, but it was a two-story castle. And so getting it there and unpacking it and putting it up and then breaking it down was even more daunting. But I I totally understand where you're coming from. I get that way when I start getting ready to go off to Arkansas for whatever time I'm going, summer or winter. It's like, ah, you know. All the logistics. Huh? It's all the logistics. All the logistics, yeah, it is, Mm -hmm. it is. And, you know, both you and I, though different signs of the zodiac and elements, I think have the same neurotic feeling of wanting to get everything perfect before we leave and everything perfect so that we can, you know, when we get there and what we need. It's, it's, you know, it's tough being perfect, you know? I know it, man. I know it. (laughs) So, but uh, other than that, I'm sure uh, you'll, you know, have a wonderful time. Actually, my friend Tracy, um, Mm -hmm. who at the, Festival, the Mystic Fair is one of the the, the promoter of the belly dance uh, entertainment. She is going to be there. She hasn't been at PantheaCon in years and years, and her friends, who she works security and she worked all of that and and you know that kind of thing, they um, are helping her get there. And she's bringing her son Kashil for the very first time, and he's in middle school, so. You know, it's like a big thing, and he wants to go, and she's all kind of like, this is a big thing for her to go back and to to be fed from that kind of engagement, even though she's working, and um, bring her son, who has never been, and this is like his his, um, spiritual threshold crossing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully she will make herself known because I know she knows uh, she knows you. I don't know, you know, totally, completely, but hopefully she'll make herself known to you when she's there. I'm sure she'll come by and say hello. That'll be lovely. Yes, and I did tell her you were also vending and Milk and Honey was vending, so there would be that. Well, that's exciting and uh, awe-inspiring and... uh, I'm really glad that it's coming up. I know that a lot of people are. I will be not, (laughs) mostly because I'm, like, looking at it going, no, no, I just bought my tickets for Arkansas. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. you get to go and party with the grandkids. That's true, and, you know, I think that's sort of needed from what I've been hearing over the last day or so that – there's a lot going on. She has three teenagers and then her three-year-old, but at this point it's the teenagers that are, um, shall we say, drawing on all of her strengths not to commit them to a tower somewhere. Mm-hmm. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> so, but that's pretty much my, my time really has been um, working and more mm-hmm. working. Yeah, and um, I'm great. <laughs> huh? Sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, and uh, so it's it's like okay, I get to work, I come home, I walk the dogs, I jump online and check out everything, do what I have to do, and then basically let the dogs pile on top of me as we lie in my recliner and watch different things. I think I've now completed all of Father Brown murder mysteries. I did all of uh, Grace and Frankie, and um, I'm going to do one day at a time because it's come back on for the new season, and I get Netflix, so that's where I get to watch it. No. And abjectly did not watch Mm. anything to do with the State of the Union. Oh, yeah, why bother? Yeah, well, it was actually, it was kind of interesting because, you know, when you turn the television on, I turn it on to regular television and then, of course, mute it because I'm waiting to see what I want to do. And it was like that. And I quickly found anything. I think it was a cooking channel just to sit it on there so that I could decide where I really wanted to go. (laughs) So, but anyway, so it's kind of like, I'll take cooking over anything in there. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to veg out and have people cook in the background. 
Yeah, well, I was yeah. looking at it going, that's really nice. One of these days I might have myself someone who might do that or go out and find food and forage it and bring it back home and cook it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Right now it's just me and, and the kids here, the two little four-legged creatures, and they look to me to give them the food. I don't think they're ready to go out and get anything for me. And, of course, somehow I'm not. my palate isn't ready for, you know, the things they might bring home. Sure. But anyway, yeah. So our um, sto- our uh, show is the Ask a Witch segment, and I noticed we have some very intriguing questions. Yes, and uh, the first question on our list we may have already discussed. I'm not sure, um, but if we have, whatever, we'll we'll hit it again. But it's yeah, it's our very popular. Ask a Witch segment where we answer your questions that have been written into our website, witchpriestesscauldron.com. And you get to hear me and Elvira babble and talk about the question that you asked. We babble so well, you know that? We do. We do. I know. <laughs> so, I mean, we can jump right in if you want to, unless there's something pressing that you wish to discuss in the community that we are part of and whatever. Yeah. I mean, there's always stupid pagan people drama, but nah, let's dig right in. Let's <laughs> let's do it. Let's tackle these what? questions. All right. All right. So, obviously, noting that our first question may have been already answered, but we will maybe add more depth to it mm-hmm. is from Tasha and it is, do you do miscarriage spells? Right. Go with well, it, I you? think. <laughs> <laughs> do we? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I think, you know, the, the first layer of this is, um, are you asking us? Like, are you asking me at Phoenix, do, you, do I do miscarriage spells? And you, Elvira, do you do miscarriage spells? Because that's one layer. But then is there another layer of our miscarriage spells? Um, so, you know, this is an interesting question because my uh-huh. response, if this was a client, my response would be, why? <laughs> Considering, well, now here's the thing. I looked at it with what exactly you said, and I thought, well, if it is your desire to create a miscarriage in yourself, Number one, obviously, we do have, so far, at least in our state, California, we have options that are legal and um, available that are medical. If you're trying to do it, yes, to terminate a pregnancy. If you're trying to do this um, where someone else miscarries, then we're talking about a different kind of magic. Right. <laughs> right. And we're talking about cursing, and that's a whole ball of wax with ethics and your personal ethics and backlash and how you might have to hold this energetic and what you might end up losing in your life, blah, blah, blah. It's a long, slippery slope. But the bottom uh-huh. line is if you want to do a miscarriage spell on someone else, that's a curse, and that comes uh-huh. with a complicated magical working. Mhm. You know, it's it's interesting because I was actually somewhere along the line in this week I was reading uh, somebody's quote about magic is energy. It's neither good nor bad. It is mm-hmm. until you choose to use it for something. It's just, you know, right. it's energy. It's just there and then either you use it for something positive or use it for something negative and you know, miscarriages of somebody else's child um, is murder, personally. That's murder. It's a death spell. Yeah. And if you want to create that, um, it you need to know the ramifications. If it's done because you're really, really pissed and whoever it is is something that, you know, deals with a family member or a loved one of yours uh, you still need to really think about it because there are other things that go into doing it, not just the spell. I mean, is it possible to do? Yes, it is possible to do. Do I do it? Would I 
recommend it? Would I in any way, shape, or form get involved? No. Yeah. I've it, Twinkle, ditto, exactly what you just said. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think I was just thinking there there may there may be another layer here. This could be someone who um, is afraid of having an abortion or is anti-abortion, but isn't ready to have a baby. Would rather mm-hmm. nature take its course and have a miscarriage. And if that's the situation, then what I would suggest is to talk to a an herbalist or mm-hmm. a midwife about having. Mm-hmm. A, you know, going through an herbal abortion or having a a miscarriage through a different means than than a medical procedure. There are lots of ways to end a pregnancy. Um, But ending someone else's pregnancy against their wishes is not something I would suggest or do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you're right. The the first statement you made about what other area in your life would you then be, well, without saying contracting, but it would be in a way that that down the road it will be evened out that you lose because it's not mm-hmm. going to be an you know a a tit for tat like this person gets a miscarriage you did you know you sent the spell out and then you have one down the road and that kind of evens the scale it it really never has worked that way ever <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah but and my feeling is is that if you're looking for a personal solution to something that you have then um there would be ways to discuss maybe working with a um, a midwife deity as well, and mm-hmm. asking that your body release this with grace and ease, and work work for that. I mean, it's it's working from that perspective on yourself, um, and connecting along with the things that you maybe you you can't even use herbal uh, right. remedies to do that. It would be a it would be from that perspective, but it's very personal, and it would be your within the scope of what you're asking to be helped with. Um, yeah. And that's that's your own, again, it's your own personal uh, ethics for yourself, but when you, you do, and you're deciding you, you want this, you feel you're not ready, that's your decision for you, but making it for somebody else for whatever the reasons are, um, that adds something. If you're trying to help somebody uh, with the process, again, no. it's another layer. Then yeah, you still have to deal with. Uh, <laughs> I, I think if you're if you're looking to help someone else, get contact a medical professional. Like dealing with this yeah. medically is a much smarter and safer idea than doing spell work. Period. Like. Uh-huh. Don't mess around with this because you could end up causing more harm than good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think, and again, this is one layer. I mean, this is a miscarriage. This is something in that terms. We've, you know, but as you say, it's a death curse. Yeah. And so if you take it out and extrapolate on other death curses, you got to realize that's got a lot of. Um, weight to it and well, responsibility and before, with a, if you're doing a, a death spell and you're trying to curse someone with death you can't just light a candle and be like okay haha I did my death spell like that's not how it works it, it, mm-hmm. these are hard complicated difficult rituals it's not just a I'm going to flip this switch and, and then, then I win that's not how this works so if you know my assumption is that this is someone who's looking to cause strife for another person, just my assumption. Yeah, it's not, it's not easy, and it does come with a cost. So just don't, just say no, just move on. <laughs> and at that, we will move on to the next question, which you can go with. Oh my God, I'm so excited about this question, and I would just like to say. It is highly likely this question is utter bullshit, and the person who sent it to us is just fucking around. And if that's true, it's okay. But I love it because the name of the person who sent this question is Spike. Um, I'm a huge Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan, and I love Spike. So thank you, anonymous person. And the question is, is it possible to become an immortal vampire? And I just want to say, my friend, 
I've been asking that question for 40 years. <laughs> I love vampires so much. I would totally become a vampire if it was possible. And I've yet to find that. So uh, I'm going to go with no. <laughs> <laughs> well, and considering, um, and it's, it's, a, it's called All Souls Trilogy. And I mean, it's the, it's another version of Twilight series and, you know, the, the, all of the different ones, but it's got mm-hmm. actually a lot of substance and, and it's got, I know that you're a fan of it. I'm a fan of it. Yeah. I've got several friends that are. Um, and, you know, it, it does bring up that, that energy of, vampirism but you know there is a point i know that this person may be talking in the real world drinking blood um mm-hmm. living forever that kind of a thing but we can take it a step to the side and you know an immortal vampire is also the individual who basically lives off energy of other people and how long that gives you more immortality i don't really know um but there is that version of it that actually does exist. I mean, in more than one way, we've all experienced people that tend to create that, whether it's through drama or um, Mm -hmm. different kinds of things. So there is that, and I know that's probably not what this person is, you know, reflecting on here. But um, I did want to mention that. Yeah, and my opinion of immortality Nothing is immortal. Nothing. Even if you are into, um, you know, vampires on how they're portrayed in movies and books and whatnot, vampires still die. Nothing is immortal. And the only way to achieve immortality is to be remembered after death. That's the only way. And very, very few people get that beyond one or two generations after their death. You know, we know we talk about Charlemagne and Nefertiti and some of, you know, there's there's only a few hundred names from antiquity that we remember. They have immortality. It is unlikely that most of us will ever achieve immortality. Right. So I'm sorry, right. that's a bummer answer, but wah, wah, what it is. I know, I know. And, you know, we do have to... <laughs> That is the part of reality that it's interesting. There are several books that I have written, read, not written, (laughs) written, no, read, um, (laughs) that were about people that had acquired immortality. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I would think if you you actually put yourself in it, to, to be someone who doesn't want attachments, who doesn't care about other people really, then that would be a great thing, immortality. But if you care, mm-hmm. the the reality that you will, these people or animals or whoever it is, uh, will go away and you'll still be here. And uh, it's a very lonely process. So it would be, it would tend to make me feel that, um, in light of the personality that would want that, they are definitely. Um, antisocial and don't want groups of people around them or be part of things where you feel things. Right. The psychological side of all of this. Yeah, and I love that we could probably talk about this this question, which is most likely a joke question that someone sent us, like some, you know, rando sent us this joke question. But Spike the second, thank you, because this really made me laugh and We got a lot of questions and I had to go through and sort of cherry pick the ones that we would talk about. And I kept this one in, even though I thought it was probably not a real question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there are some that we should probably do a whole show on um, the strange and unusual questions that exceed reality. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. But not at this time, but for future reference. (laughs) So, um, but in terms of the next question, now I see we've got a couple and Mm -hmm. I would like to see if we could skip the next one and go to the following one and then come back after break to the one we skipped. Sure. That works for me. 
yeah, because I think we can answer in the time we have before break um, the question that yeah. is, yeah. Okay? Good job keeping our timing on check, Elvira. Well, you know, Sagittarians aren't exactly known for at least I'm not known for my timeliness this is kind of a weird like oh I should look at the time oh look (laughs) so yes so the one that we have here is anonymous um, and the question is what are some beginner books that you would recommend Mm. yes so do you have some at the tip of your tongue that you can roll out? I actually do. It's really funny timing. Uh, just recently, Guiana and I put out a blog post about the first book that sort of was influential to your developing as a witch on our uh-huh. um, next door blog or not blog. Yeah, blog. <laughs> so I had to I had to sit and think about what influential for me at the beginning, but more than that, what books. Would I still recommend now? Because I do get asked this a lot at the shop. And the list has changed over the years. Um, so I would, I'll give three. And then if we want to throw more in, we can throw more in. But I would say The Spiral Dance by Starhawk. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great book. It's, um, it's got lots of woo and exercises, but it also has a lot of science and information. And I, I find that helpful when things have some foothold in in reality and it's not just all fluff um the grimoire of the green witch by ann moira i love this book i love this book and not everyone loves this book but i do and the reason i do is because about half the book is filled with appendixes and um correspondence charts and uh, runic alphabets and like all just like quick reference guide material. So anytime I'm working a spell and I want some correspondences or some ideas or I need my my imagination sparked, I go through her tables and I find all kinds of great information. So I think that's a really good one. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is not one book, but many books, anything by Scott Cunningham. And that's kind of a cop out. Um, but Scott Cunningham was prolific in the 1980s. A lot of what modern Wicca and witchcraft looks like is because of Scott Cunningham's writing. Uh, uh-huh. And every book, uh, you know, they're they're very um, accessible. They're very easy to read. You don't have to have a degree in, in some esoteric information or um philosophy or whatever to understand Scott Cunningham and some magical books are really dense and his are really easy. So I uh-huh. always Scott Cunningham. Um, oh, I have one more. Sorry for, for just recently, Jason Mankey, who I've talked about on the show before released a book called transformative witchcraft. I just got it in the shop a couple weeks ago and I'm, I'm very skeptical about new witchcraft books. So I, I really read them before I bring them into the shop. I love this new book. Love it. Love it. It's so good. And it's really, again, accessible, all kinds of rituals, all kinds of spells and workings. It's great. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So there you go. There's, there's four. There you are. Well, actually, you, you've kind of covered the list that I would have utilized. Um, I tend to have gone with, like, Buckland, mostly because mm-hmm. some of what he says is, is – you know, it's how-to stuff. It's like how to construct your athame, how to construct your robe, um, not just – so it's more of a how-to as well as giving you potential ritual work for this Sabbath or that Sabbath. But um, I tend to think of him as kind of like, oh, well, he's kind of one of those oldie but goodies that at least you don't, as you say, need to wade through all the, the things. And, again, witchcraft – has changed from when it was first brought forth and re- resurrected into the public to to even now where and we've been doing this now for several years here um, that we've been talking I've noticed that a lot of my reference books have a certain time frame and that time frame was very structured to 
male-female interaction, um, the, you know, goddess and the god and the, you know, the great right and, you know, all of these different things, because at that time, it was still, the sexual revolution was still pretty, you know, it was just after the immediacy, and it was moving into um, a little more mainstream in the sense of, you know, putting it out there and these things, and now I'm marveling at, you know, the books that are coming out because they're thoughtful, they're, they're, they've got, like, you know, information uh, and not structured to this is the way you do it because it's this and this, the male, the female polarity, and da-da-da-da-da. See, because right. we have changed in a culture that has other gender specifics, so it makes a lot more um, sense to have that kind of primers. Yep, absolutely. Mm -hmm, So um, the other thing that I do want to mention is one of the people that has been very instrumental in many of the informations of practices, not just Wicca, but, you know, Egyptian and Greek and all, was D.J. Conway, and she just passed away. Yes, she did. Uh, One of our old, our um, more... Um, long-term people, and I just wanted to mention that because when I read that, I was, you know, I was like, oh, my gosh. You know, I mean, she was in her late 80s, uh, which, you know, (laughs) still going strong. But anyway, that would be the answer. I would would stick with what you said, and definitely Scott Cunningham. Definitely. He's, you know, all the things he did were um, really good basics that you can – you know, again, simple things that you can get into that you can start with. Yeah. So yep. So I think we should take our break. All right, let's take a break. We'll be back in like a minute. In a minute. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Holly. Sundays, 3 to 4.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain. Tuesdays, 5 to 6. Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse. Fridays, 4 to 5. And The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay. Fridays, 6 to 7. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And back again. Sorry, I pushed the wrong button and I didn't play our little sir. I just played the commercial. There you go, we're back now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, you know. It can only. I'm. I'm grateful we have you here with us tonight in in verbal form because I wasn't sure with all of PantheaCon where you you would be. I mean, in the sense of your energy, your head, and all the rest of it. So thank you for for uh, that because I wanted to you know acknowledge that that that's a very big thing and it takes over in a big way. So I was. I was like going, hmm, Ask a Witch is about the easiest we can do for this. Uh-huh. So, but, um, so let's go back to this other one because it's really, um, I think it's going to be a, a pretty deep one here. Um, do you want to read it, my dear? Sure. So this is from us. And the question is, why am I not getting any witch help without money? Is everybody after money? My situation is like that, but I can pay money if it works. So there you go. Why won't anyone help me without getting money? Well, let's see. Probably because it's a profession. And as a profession, we get paid, number one. Number two, at least in my opinion, um, I'm not subsidized by anybody. You know, there is nobody out there saying, you do this work and, and we'll make sure your your world is paid for and you just go out there and do it and, 
anything, you know, you can get anything back, great, but just go do it. Um, so kind of feel a little bit like it's not a sore point. It's just a reality check that that's when people are doing this, it's because that's their they're choosing that as their career and, you know, they're choosing that as a way that they want to work in the world. And, you know, we, you know, we don't have a world that you get three chickens and, you know, that's what you get and that'll take care of you. We can't quite get PG&E to take chickens, though at this point they might, considering they're going bankrupt. So, <laughs> but, um, you know, yeah. that being said, the other part of it is, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this only, and then you can go with it because I, I, I can feel there's a thing. Um, you're willing to pay for it if it works. Well, first of all, magic can never be guaranteed. Mm-hmm. We are not, you know, like a car that you can guarantee and have a warranty and it'll be this. Um, Spirit never has guaranteed their blessings, its blessings at all, whatever, you know, out there. And if it's, well, if it works, then I'll pay you. Um, again, we're talking about certain kinds of expectations that, you know, I put my dime in and I want to get my Cheetos. Not that Cheetos cost a dime, they cost more. But the point is that it does present us with a different way of looking at what it is we do and the payment of it. There's my say. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Exactly what Elvira just said. And the only thing I would add is because you're hiring someone and hiring someone costs money, you know, um, do the spell yourself if you don't want to pay for it, which is fine. Or get a friend or someone who you know who does, who may dabble or practice magic to do the spell for you. But if you want to hire someone, a professional, to do a spell on your behalf, you're hiring someone for their services. Uh, and um, are, is everybody after money? No, of course not. Every, everybody is not after money. And if you are working with a, a, a worker, a, a witch or a root worker or anybody who's going to do spirit work on your behalf, and they are, A, coercing you into spell work, or B, asking an exorbitant amount of money, then you should be suspicious. Um If every time you talk to a reader or a root worker or a witch who you may be working with and they say, yes, I can do this and it'll cost this much more money or you need to do this and I need this much more money than you've already given me or, well, this was more complicated than I thought. I'm going to need another $500 or whatever. You need to be suspicious. Uh, I think a lot of times when people ask the question about paying money, it's because they've been screwed over in the past by someone and unfortunately there are a lot of workers out there who are not reputable and are, are and are just looking to take your money. There are many cases that, A, I won't take. If someone wants to hire me and I look at their situation and I think, oh, I'm not equipped to handle this, which happens all the time. I'm not a freaking uh-huh. god, you know. A, I'm not equipped to handle this. I might refer them to someone else. Or B, yeah, I did some divination on your situation and I'm getting a clear no. This is not what you should be doing, or this is not what I should be doing to help you. You know, I would recommend you let this situation go, or whatever. You know, like it shouldn't always be. Here's another thing I can do for you, and how much more money it's going to cost. So, be cautious. and if you want to work with a worker who is reputable and is going to help and is going to have your best interest at heart, that takes some time and research. And you may have to talk to more than one worker before you find the right person to work with. It's kind of like a doctor. You don't uh-huh. just take the first doctor, you know, diagnose with something. Opinion. Find out what other options you have. Don't just take it at face value and believe the first person you've talked to and also you have to trust your own instincts um and why are you looking to hire someone why not do it yourself i always encourage my clients to do it themselves and i under i've heard all the excuses about why someone can't do it themselves i get it i understand there's all kinds of roadblocks and and challenges and difficulty and fear 
But at the bottom line, at the end of the day, it's your desire and your power around that desire is going to be way more powerful than someone you give money to. I totally agree. <laughs> Rant done. <laughs> God, I love it. It's great. You know, and, and it's true. Um, I know people are are like, well, I, I don't know. I can't do it. Um, and it's not just logistics of whether they can do the spell in the house or not. It's just they're scared to do it. And, I you know, I understand. But just as Phoenix said, their desire is way more. And that's the key to how to make it happen. It's just, and we, both Phoenix and I have done this with our clients, is we guide them. We give them the little baby steps and help them through the process. We don't tell them to go out and do a, you know, a huge 16-day ritual that they have to get, you know, all in. We, we work our, we work with the clients to get them ready, and we may help along the way, but it's really um, important that you, you know, it's it's like a hands-on process. And, you know, the ones that I have gotten that don't want to do it is mostly because what they want, they don't want to get their, and I'm going to get on a, on a little rant myself, they don't want to get their hands dirty. Yep. They just want to have it handed to them. And I get very strict about that. It's like, nope got to work for it you got to put your own stuff into this it's not just like here i want this thing over here make it happen give it to me right so i guess that kind of... anyway that puts me in perspective of where i stand and and it seems like you have the same perspective in your side yeah absolutely i figured we'd be on the same page with that one <laughs> <laughs> mostly because Usually, because of our community and how, you know, I work as a reader through um, Phoenix's shop and and I work at this other location and Phoenix has worked over there um, as well before she had the shop. And um, we we refer back and forth. So if, you know, and I don't mean negative, but people will try to find, well, if this person doesn't have it, I'll go over here. And so a lot of times, you know, we get the same individual wanting the same thing, but they're going to try someone else. And understandably, that's also good. It's just when you said the same thing to the person that then either Phoenix or I say, it's kind of like, okay, um, that kind of stuff. So, but it's a good question and I'm, I'm, you know, it's a lively debate and a lively uh, rant from both of us about it and um but it is it's a profession and a career and um we don't have an organized structure like the catholic church or synagogues or other churches where people get paid um or are given a livelihood through their dedication to the to whatever it is um in at least the United States <laughs> for what we're doing. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, but that brings us to our last question that we have at the moment yes. on our thing. And I kind of like saving this one to the last, so thanks for putting it at the bottom so we could get oh. to it. So, it's from Diane, and she said, What is the deal with the triple goddess? <laughs> Which I love. This is a hilarious question. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the deal with the triple goddess? Exactly. What's the deal? <laughs> um, well, let me let me just say that, you know, she definitely likes to go out when she's, like, bouncy and chipper. She kind of hangs around home when she's, you know, in the midsection of her day. And then at night, she's just, like, cackling all the way. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Done. Improv at its best. Um, Well, we should be a little bit more, you know, respectful of what what the question really about is the triple goddess. So, why is there a triple goddess? Yeah. So, uh, the book that exists out in the world called The White Goddess uh, by Robert Graves, I believe. I think my brain's a little 
funky. No, we uh, and Robert Graves. I'll acknowledge that one for you. And he basically made this concept up. Um, there, are, there are goddesses all over the world that have triplicates in some way, shape, or form. Three faces, three sisters, um, three um, elements that they're in control of or connected to. And three is a magical number in numerology and in lots of different cultures across the world. Three is magical. And, and the waxing moon, the waning moon, and the full moon was sort of connected to this concept of a triple goddess. Um, this concept of maiden, mother, and crone. And so what happened for a little while is people just took this information as though it was gospel and started uh, putting square pegs into round holes all over the place and, and calling goddesses triple goddesses, as in maiden, mother, and crone, or trying to squeeze ancient goddesses into the frame of maiden, mother, and crone, even when they didn't technically fit. Um, and for a while... In witchcraft and paganism, people were into it. It was a really cool idea, and uh, we just kind of swallowed it like medicine and thought, oh, this is great. But as more scholarship has come into paganism, as people have tried harder and harder to honor antiquity and, and ancient myth and ancient story, that it doesn't really exist. Um, so the main center is definitely a concept of modern witchcraft and Wicca. It's worth working with or playing with or using, but it is a newer concept in the world of uh, polytheism, so to speak, of having multiple gods. Uh, yeah, I'm always the bummer that's like, yeah, that's all made up and it lies. But, you know, it's, it's better to know the truth than to think, you know. Well, anyway, blah, blah, blah. I, I'm starting to feel guilty about how many times I burst people's bubble in a day. <laughs> well, you know, it's you're getting to be over on the other side where I was having this discussion uh, actually earlier today about being the wise one. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily, I mean, it does correlate with age on this earth. I had, you know, when I was younger, I found that absolutely disgusting you know my father had said to me well you know you you don't have the wisdom you don't have the age to have lived long enough to do these things and of course that was the wrong thing to say to a teenager or a young person and it was like oh no I know I know and you know so that all kind of came about now I'm sitting with you know age on my side so to speak and um I realized that the experiences that I have lived through and what has been, you know, like experiments, what failed and what survived and, you know, what has gone on and, and, you know, I have that concept of wisdom. Now, you know, in in ancient times, people didn't live as long as we're living now. Um, Right. So wisdom was like gained through condensed. I think their worlds were as... They experienced the things they experienced and had the wisdom, but because it was a harsher time, it had other things going on, um, they may have been wise at 30, and that was old age. Uh, Mm -hmm. So when I look at this, I go, it is wisdom. So to me, the aspects of growth, you know, um, and whether we we see it in a goddess or a god and put it out there, it's still the idea that it's worked. It's worked in some way, and um, you know, somehow, um, I don't know. It, it uh, and some deities had more than one aspect. Yeah. I mean, we just finished doing Bridget, and you know, the the, the three sisters, the three mothers. You know, those there were three major aspects that were potent for that goddess. I could understand, but as you say, to fit every one of them in, no. But it is a, a stage of of living in our world to find those right. three aspects. So. Right, right. And I think that there's been a lot of backlash in the last few years against this maiden mother crone concept, and I, it's kind of an evolution of equality. Uh, Yahweh, the main God, Jesus, you know, the the triple. Um, divinity in Christianity has been kind of the the main guy on in most cultures for a very long time. In many cultures, maybe not most, but I, I take that back. In many cultures, especially European and on this continent, the United States and Canada, that God is 
big and everywhere. Everyone knows about that guy. Mm-hmm. And when Satanism and witchcraft really started this most recent modern revival in the 60s and even the 50s, and, and, and really if we could go as far back as the 20s, the 1920s, I, there was a desire to bring a goddess to have more balance. And the pendulum kind of swung from, from God to goddess, where goddess became the bigger entity, the bigger energy, and needed more uh, attention because so much attention and power had been given to this male god. And uh-huh. so there, this was sort of unpacked, and the maiden mother crone concept was born, and connection to the moon, which makes sense because women's bodies are connected to the moon because of our mental cycle and that whole process like it makes sense in a way uh but uh-huh. more modern right now in the present moment we were the witchcraft and pagan movement is getting away from the binary because mystery and deity and and all of the fo- life force behind all of that is bigger than gender it is bigger than god or goddess it is bigger than maiden mother crone and many women and or and feminists and and practitioners of magic look at the maiden mother and crone as a actually it's no longer expansive it's restrictive because it makes women's power connected to the cycle of their body and why should our body be connected to that cycle of power because it makes it like around our menstruation we only uh-huh. have value when you know our menstruation develops when we have babies and when we go into cronehood and our menstruation stops. Well, there are women who don't menstruate. There are women who don't have uteruses. There are women who haven't even been women their whole lives as, as far as how they express themselves in the world. So it's much more complicated and vast and beautiful and varied. And so some of these old concepts are still good. Like I, I'm not saying throw this concept out the window, uh, there's value here. There's something interesting to explore and learn about. And uh, just the moon itself, the interest of following the moon phase and, and connecting that to different cycles of life. It's interesting. But the power, the magic, the majesty of this world is bigger than that. Um, and that's why I think modern paganism is moving away from some of these, these um, things that feel restrictive but once upon a time, and I think that's what's important is to remember that once upon a time, these concepts were actually, they were wild and radical and expansive and on the fringes. And now they uh-huh. feel kind of passe and old and uh, they don't fit anymore. But let's not forget our roots are where these from. There's, there's still value in understanding how these things developed. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's what's going on with the evolution, and, and that's what keeps the aspect of witchcraft and Wicca and paganism alive and thriving is that it's evolving, it's moving beyond each stage. doesn't mean that you don't have certain things you keep. It's very individual. It's not set up as a, as a you follow it in this precept no matter what. So... It makes it as eclectic as the people that choose to follow this kind of um, spirituality, and that's its its gift. That is its true gift: is uh, individual feelings and and ways of of being coming together in a diverse group and making a uh, a weaving of its own. And uh, so, the triple goddess is not. Um, a hard and fast rule. It no. is something that is uh, part of uh, our world and our history, and there are things that do substantiate some of it. So um, that's the deal with it. Yeah, and there are definitely triple goddesses. There are definitely goddesses that you can plug into that triple facet, and it makes sense. Like Persephone didn't hear it, that's not necessarily how it may have been practiced in ancient Greece, but it does make sense. It, there, uh-huh. there is, there is something interesting and valid to explore there with that triplicate nature. Um, uh-huh. But you know, it's something. It, it as with everything, you have to trust your instincts, and you have to take anything that is considered 
this is the way it must always be. Take it with a grain of salt because someone made up everything once upon a time. It's just, did they make it up yesterday, 10 years ago, 500 years ago? You know, age does not necessarily make it more valid. Uh, and, and in order to stay alive, like Elvira said, our practices have to evolve. Mm-hmm. And that is that is our primary, whether, you know, here we are, our, you know, our own show um, yep. has evolved and focused in different ways. And, you know, whether we take it another way, we, you know, we actually will be coming up on some anniversaries here this year of, of kind of a considerable note. But it's interesting that it's moved and grown just as we have moved and grown. I mean, when, you know, we started this, it wasn't necessarily thought of as what we are now doing. We had an idea that it might continue and grow and follow different um, paths, and our world is the same. I am the same. You know, uh, Phoenix is the same. We've all had challenges that make us stretch and grow, and that's what, this whole spiritual path with the the god the goddess all that is is out there so right, right. yeehaw Thank you, Abby. and that that was our last question so i want to just thank everyone who took the time to write in and there were questions we didn't get to there were questions that i just vetoed because they were uh, obnoxious yep you're welcome and uh but, but we do this segment regularly, the Ask a Witch episode. We do this, you know, every two to three months. So if you, if your question didn't get answered or if you have a question you'd love to hear us talk about, feel free to write in. Go to our website, witchpriestesscauldron.com. There is a, um, an easy little form to fill out with your name and the question that you'd like us to talk about. And maybe you'll get on the show and we'll talk about your question. And it can be anything about deities, about spell work, about our practices. Uh, Elvira and I are very open to sharing how we do things in our in our private spiritual practice. So, so ask us, ask us. And we will answer, answer, answer. <laughs> Ooh, dramatic. I know, I know. Watch it. It's, it's. Well, hey, you know, there's a certain amount of. It's that time of the night, and you know, when you're when you're like this, you start to kind of get into some kind of weird segment. And of course, I haven't eaten anything, so I'm not grounded. So we're okay. Yeah, I'm about to go have dinner and drink some wine and have a Buffy marathon and try to not think about PantheaCon. I think that's a great idea. We yeah. will definitely see everybody back alive um, in two weeks. Next week is a rebroadcast of our PantheaCon live mm-hmm. show that so, we did. Yeah. It'll yeah. be live from PantheaCon two years ago. <laughs> two years ago, yes. I think that's, well, you know, hey, back to the future. It's back to yeah. the past. Exactly. So, but if you are at PantheaCon, Please come say hello. I'll be vending in the vending room um, at Milk and Honey on Friday night. Tempest and I are doing a We Are a Radio ritual at in the uh, at eleven o'clock on the schedule on Friday night. Um, with I'm doing a workshop with Misha Magdalene in one of the hospitality suites on Friday at eight p.m. Uh, I'll be around, so please do come say hello and and it would be lovely to meet folks or see folks in person. Yes, yes, and we would always love feedback, and I will be there in um, spirit, and hopefully uh, I will hear all about it when Phoenix gets back and is recuperated. I don't expect it until she's recuperated. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So with that, have a wonderful evening, and we will see you on the radio soon. Thanks so much. Bye.
Thank you for listening to The Witch, The Priestess, and The Cauldron, a radio podcast on the LMC Radio Network. Our podcast airs live every Friday at 6 p.m. Pacific and will be available for download. Questions or comments on this show or ideas for upcoming shows can be sent to our website, and that's at www.witchpriestesscauldron.com. Again, that's witchpriestesscauldron.com. On behalf of Elvira, Phoenix, Alan, and myself, Gwion Raven, a big merry meet and merry part and merry meet again. Blessed be.